Whew, we had church already, amen? Good, yes, yeah, we can clap for that. So we're going to do something a, a little bit different today um, than, than usual. Uh, we wanted to spend some time, we're, we're excited about 2016, we're really looking forward to what we believe God is going to do in this new year, not only in your life and in your family's life and in the life of our church. Um, we, we're really excited about that, but we didn't want to jump right into talking about 2016 before we spent some time, we're just kind of a, we're going to do like a year in review. Uh, for 2015 and walk through some of the things that we've gotten to see God do in our midst and in our presence and some of the moments that were the most impactful for me and my family and for a lot of you that we've talked to and heard from, uh, just some of the things that really stood out to you in 2015. So that's the kind of the, the big picture plan for what we're going to do today. So I hope you guys are, uh, are as excited about what God has done as what God is going to do. And so with no further introduction stuff, let's jump right in. So here's what we did. 2015, we said we wanted to find a, a phrase or a, a term or a word or something that would define our year. For those of you that are familiar with this family of faith's history, you know, we came out of a little rocky patch in 2014. 2014 was a little bit of a rough year for a lot of us, the staff included. It was, it was a little nuts, right? Got a little, little, little rough there for a while. And, and so coming into 2015, we said, what do, what do we want for our church? If we could pick a, a phrase or a term or, or something that would, that would define our year, what would it be? And so what we landed on, all of you know, was this idea of becoming stronger in 2015. What we said was if when we get to the end of 2015 and we look at ourselves and we look at our church and we look at our families, would we be able to say that in every facet of life, that we as an individual, that we as a family, and that we as a church were stronger at the end of 2015 than we were at the beginning. And that was a journey that we began last January. And so everything that we've done throughout this year or this past year was done with this in mind of does this, does this teaching series, does this connect group material, does this song, do these plans, do this vision, whatever, does everything that we do, does it align with this idea of making our church stronger? And that was, that was the whole plan for 2015, that everything we did, we, we measured by the standard of, does this make us stronger? And we read these verses, um, this verse in that series, Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, Joshua hearing from God, God says, have I not commanded you, be strong? And courageous, do not be frightened, do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And we said that's the prayer that we wanted everybody in our church to be able to pray. That God, I can be strong and I can be courageous because I know that even in the difficult times and in the awesome times, that God, you are with me wherever, that's everywhere, wherever I go. A lot of you guys really respond to that, and we, we kind of made a commitment together at the beginning of 2015 that this year we're going to commit to do what it takes to become stronger. And I think if I, if I polled the crowd, I'd find out that a lot of you, that's true for you. That 2015 was a pretty good year for you and God. You, got, you feel stronger in your walk of faith now than you did at the beginning of 2015, and that's exactly what we wanted for you. 
So we finished up the Stronger series and moved in uh, to this series that we called Friend Request. We talked about the power of friendship and the importance of being in biblical community. We had a, a theme, an overarching big picture idea for the series, and this was it. We said, if you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. And we, we determined and we looked and found in the pages of Scripture how those that we spend our time with will shape, influence, and ultimately define our future. It's important who you spend your time with. We talked a lot during this series about connect groups and the importance of being in a small group of people, a biblical community where you can grow in your faith and they can grow in theirs and doing life on life, smaller group. We come in here on the weekends. I do most of the talking. Y'all sit there quietly and listen. That's not a great place to ask questions. If you ask questions in here, sometimes I get mad. Don't ask questions. Don't raise your hand. We're not in class. You get to connect group. They're a great place to ask questions. Hey, man. Did you understand what Brian was talking about? No. Cool. Let's call him. Or what? Or like, like you help me figure it out or, or, or however that works. It's a great way to do life, to have your questions answered and to find out that you're not the only one asking questions. And they told me in school there's no such thing as a dumb question. And in Connect Group, we test that theory sometimes. Right? Maybe not in your Connect Group. But in mine, we, 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 we wrestle through some stuff. And I'm like, are we seriously having this conversation right now? But it's a good conversation to have. Because if you've got a question, man, you need answers. And you can find a lot of answers in Scripture. But oftentimes, one of the ways, one of the ways that God speaks to us is through other believers. In just a couple of weeks, we are going to have Connect Group signups again. We're going to relaunch the, the first session of Connect Groups in 2016. So when you walked in today, you saw one of these sitting in your seat. It's a little orange and white card at the bottom of the front. It says, I guess that's the front. I don't know. No. Yeah, sign up on back. So I guess the back uh, says Connect Groups at the bottom. The front says Connect Groups at the top. Now, here's what we're doing this year a little bit differently than we've done in the past. All right, so pay attention, all eyes. All right, so if you are already in a connect group, you no longer need to fill one of these out to recommit to your connect group. Tracking? So if you're already in a group and you plan on staying with your group, disregard. Card's not for you. Now, for those of you who are not in a connect group, first of all, shame on you. All right, just... Throwing it out there. We talk about them all. If you're a guest with us, not shame on you. You didn't know. If you've been hanging out with us for a while and you ain't in a connect group, we talk about them all the time and how important they are. And if you aren't in a connect group, shame on you. All right? You need to be in a connect group. Here's how that happens. This card is for you. New people. Not cur- new as in not currently in a group. If you are not in a group, You need to be, and this is your manner for doing so. A little bit of information, we'll get with you. You fill out the information, we contact you, we find a group that suits, fits you, and that we think you'll love. Let us help you find a group for yourself, and trust me, you can't, you cannot, impossible, overvalue the importance of a connect group. Why? Because you show me your friends. And I'll show you your future. And the friends you make in Connect Group are people who are trying to figure out how to make their lives stronger as well. And if I'm trying to figure out how to be stronger, I want some other people trying to figure that out alongside me. It's really hard for me to get stronger when I'm around a bunch of people that don't care if they get stronger or not. You tracking? 
did I, did I hit it hard enough? You, you feel the intensity with which I'm pushing connect group down your throat right now. You got that? All right, good, because I'm going to move on. Connect groups, here's your sign-up card. If you're not in a group, we want you to be in a group. Here's how you get in a group. Please, please, please sign up for connect groups. Guess what? We're not launching them for another couple of weeks, so you're going to hear that same spiel the next two weeks. If that keeps you from coming back, well, shame on you again. All right, so... Don't know how else to say it. All right, so speaking of this idea of, of being connected and being in healthy environments, we, we journeyed into the, our next series for the year that we called Almost, and we misspelled almost on purpose because we said that instead of being mostly committed to God, that we wanted to be all-ly committed, that's whatever. Like we wanted to be all in for God, like if we're going to commit that we wanted it to be all, and here's why, because Luke chapter 10, verse 27 says, you shall, it's a command, love the Lord your God with, how much with? All. That's about half of it. Let's do it again. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind. It's all. All right, we get it. So all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. We don't want to discard that because that's important too. Why? Because you show me your friends and I'll show you your future. It's important for your neighbor as well. But for us, so what we did, we took 30 days and we focused in and said for 30 days, let's just be like perfect Christian people. Let's do all of the things that we know we're supposed to do for 30 days. If we, if we want to grow stronger with God. Let's do all of the things for 30 days. If we can just just commit to it for 30 days, and we did. We read our Bible every day. We prayed with our families every day. We came to church, some of us, all four weeks during that series. Like we, we, some of us, did all of the things that we're supposed to do to make ourselves stronger. And at the end of that month, at the end of that 30-day challenge, a lot of you guys were, were writing and calling and sending emails and texts saying, this was amazing. I've never felt closer to God than I do right now. I've never felt stronger than I do right now. And then all of us pastors were sarcastic. Like, well, what did you think would happen if you read your Bible and prayed for 30 days? Like, we, we, that's how we thought. We were like, we're excited to hear that you finally, we get it, right? Because when we commit all, when we love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our soul, all our strength, and all our mind, that's how he wanted to be connected with us. And that's the best way for us to continue to get stronger. We said this was kind of a big idea for the whole series. We said it's hard to be healthy in an environment that's not, Right? How anybody else have bad influence as friends when you were in high school, college, and or the Marine Corps, right? It, it happens, right? That, that's my story, so I'll, I'll, I'll include that. Bad influence. And what we learned was it's really hard to have a healthy, growing, strong relationship with God in an environment that doesn't perpetuate or facilitate a good, strong, growing relationship with God. It's hard to be healthy in an environment that's not. So then we had a little bit of fun. The series after that, we, we transitioned into this idea and we talked about some bad church experiences. And a lot of us had had some of those bad church experiences. We talked about things like hypocrisy, right? We said that hypocrisy ends when what a person deserves is far less important than what they need. You guys remember that? We said if I can focus on what they need and what, not what they deserve, that my hypocrisy will stop. We said, we, we talked about the expectations that we sometimes place on God. That he doesn't meet our expectations, but Jesus doesn't meet our expectations only because he usually exceeds them. You guys remember that? 
Jesus may not meet our expectations only because he goes beyond our expectations of what we thought we wanted and what we find out Jesus wanted for us. What he wanted for us was way better. You guys remember? It's good stuff. And by the way, if you weren't with us in 2015, this is a recap of all some of the awesome stuff that we talked about in 2015 that we learned together. If this feels like drinking from a fire hydrant, it probably is. But we covered a lot of ground in 2015. So feel, just know if you're going to hang out with us for 2016, we got more good stuff coming. All right, another uh, bad church experience that a lot of us has had, uh, that we just endured church. Remember us talking about that? Hey, we just kind of get through, like, I go because I'm supposed to and because mama made me or because my husband drugged me or because my wife told me, you know, I had to or, you know, all this other kind of stuff. And we said that God is a relationship to be enjoyed, not a religion to be endured. And we said that as a church, we were going to work to make sure that people didn't, this wasn't something that people endured. That coming into this place and going to a connect group and doing all of the things that we associate with church wasn't something that they felt like they had to do or even something that they should do, but something that they wanted to do. That a relationship with God was, was to be enjoyed, not endured. And so we transitioned <clears throat> out of that series uh, and, and looked at the family and the structure of family and something that we call the ideal family. And we learned that no such thing exists. But that just because there is no such thing as an ideal family, that we should still set our goals at the ideal, live in the real, and then allow God to cover the gap. So we, we said this was kind of a, a, an overall big idea for that series. We said that only the grace of God can cover the gap between the real and the ideal. So we live in the real, but we shoot for the ideal. Why? Because that's what God wanted for us. Jesus said, I've come to give life and give it abundantly. And that means abundant life in your family. And so we talked about some ways that we could do that. We talked about family structure. We talked about forgiveness and, and how forgiveness doesn't mean that I forget, but the forgiveness means that we, we accept and, and move on. We talked about some of that stuff. We talked about conflict. That was, I think, one of the favorite messages for a lot of you. Because we, we had this thing that we said over and over and over together. Maybe some of you guys remember it. We said, do you know what part of the problem here is? I'm not getting what I want. You guys remember that? That every conflict, the common denominator in all of it is me. And that in every time I have conflict, the result is because there's something in this situation that I'm not getting what I want. And when we can begin to identify that part of it, that we could begin to resolve conflict in our families? I'm, none of y'all were nodding. I was like, did, did we talk about that? I don't know. I, I'm one of those guys that thrives on affirmation. So if you, just do like this. Everybody write, all right, good. Now I feel like, now I feel, oh, yeah, Brian, we remember. All right, so uh, then we, we did a walk through the, the book of Daniel. We, we walked through the first seven chapters of the book of Daniel. We learned all about Daniel and his friends, Rakshak and Benny. Y'all remember them? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Right, Rad, Jack, and Benny, that's what cool church kids called them when we were little because we thought it made us sound hip. Um, apparently it's not because none of y'all laugh. Um, but we, 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 this series called Decisions, Visions, and Lion Collisions. We talked about the role of crisis in our life and how God will sometimes use crisis to shape us. We talked about something we called a theology of suffering. 
Knowing that sometimes God will use suffering in our life to to mold and shape or or to align our path with his will. And we looked at Daniel in the lion's den and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. And we took away this thought from that series. We say that making a decision to trust God before a crisis helps me to trust God in the crisis. That if I haven't made a decision to trust God before crisis comes, I won't have the precedence or the, the habit in my life of trusting God when crisis comes. Trust has to start before the crisis because it's really difficult to start trusting right in the middle of hard times. Then we went all science on you. We did a lot of science research and looked at this thing that we in the church world called apologetics or making a defense for the things that we believe in a series we called Grilled. Uh, two reasons we called it grilled, if you guys remember. One, because we're getting into the meat. Right? We're moving on from milk to solid food. And what do you put on a grill? Meat, right? We, if you put anything else on a grill, you are wrong, my friend. Just wrong. Meat goes on the grill because animals are tasty. We talked about that a little bit. Um, for all the vegetarians in the room, sorry. All right, you're missing out. Um, but we, we read this verse every single week. We read this verse. We read 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, where, where Peter says, But in your hearts... Honor Christ the Lord, who is holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. That for those of us who claim claim to be Christ followers, that there is a hope that is in us that is unlike hope that anybody else has because the only true and real source of hope, we talked about in in a series later, the only true and real source of hope Is Jesus. So when we have Jesus, we have a hope that is unlike any other form or fashion of hope. And so Peter tells us that we got to be able to give a reason for that. And for a lot of people who don't have that hope, they like to argue about about the things of the world that don't make sense according to their science textbook that they got in high school. And so we we made a defense. We talked about the fact that there is absolute truth that we can know something absolutely. That everything is not relative. Uh, we, we proved through scientific fact and through logic that there is, in fact, a supreme being who is God. We, we proved it. I felt like we did a pretty good job making that claim and backing it up with all the evidence that we could dish out to you in 35 minutes up here on the stage. We, we learned that God has spoken to us, that he used his word, and we, we, we defended the, the infallibility of Scripture and its history historiosity, however you say that, it's very historical. That's what we, that's what we proved, because I can say historical, but not the other word. We, we, we proved it. And, and then we, we uh, ended that series by talking about this person who is Jesus that the Bible talks about. That if the Bible is real, and it is historically accurate, and it is inspired by God and, and written um, from him to us, then it tells this story of Jesus. And so we we get three options as we look at this story of Jesus, three things that we can believe about Jesus. Either he was a liar, he knew what he was preaching was false and taught it anyway. He was a lunatic who really believed that he was God and just was in fact not. Or he is our Lord. And Jesus, as a result of being proven that there there is absolute truth, there is a God, that God's word to us, the Bible, is infallible, and it tells the story of Jesus. Jesus then has three things that he can be to your life. He can be liar, lunatic, or Lord. We talked about that. Then we had quite a bit of fun uh, with this series we called Sheet Music. Uh, We we posted uh, this week and said, hey, let us know what your favorite series uh, from 2015 was. 
And the people who posted first, now it's a little bit later, we got some variety. But for at least the first five or six posts, it was sheet music, sheet music, sheet music, sheet music, sheet music. And we think we know why. Um, because we talked about the, the intimacy between husband and wife. Now, we, we didn't give you the PG-13 warning asking you to take kids to, to, to Fusion Kids this morning. So we'll keep it PG-13. Um, but we, we learned two things during this series that were really, really important. Um, number one, men, um, it starts before the bedroom. Tracking, remember that? It doesn't start then, it starts before. And then ladies, we don't reject, we reschedule, remember? I say we talking to y'all, not we. Uh, but so I, I, the improper pronoun use there on my part. Um, y'all uh, don't reject, but reschedule. We talked about the importance of that. Now, I learned something really interesting uh, lately uh, because oftentimes um, on Sunday mornings, pastors, we, we, we have a couple different roles that we that we facilitate on Sunday mornings. While I'm up here um, teaching or giving the message, you know, oftentimes Pastor Jonah or Pastor Quentin, they're putting out fires somewhere else, or, you know, Jonah's back in the green with the band, and sometimes they don't make it in for the beginning of the message, or they have to leave in the middle for whatever reason. And so I often have this feeling like Pastor Jonah and Pastor Quentin don't really, like, they just don't listen to the messages all the time. If they do listen, they don't get all of it or whatever. Um, But we, we were recently made aware uh, that, that Pastor Jonah's wife, Karis, is due May 2nd of 2016. And so I did the math <laughs> and backed that up and figured out that I'm pretty sure sheet music, I think Jonah and Karis were listening. Uh, that's all I'm saying. Like it, it affirmed for me now that they, they, they do, they listen and and, and, and apply, apparently. So it was big affirmation for me uh, to know that uh, I'm not just, you know, hot air up here, at least as the pastors are concerned. Um, so we, we transitioned out of sheet music into a series that we called Four Dumb Things That Smart Christians Believe. It's not that Christians are dumb. We just believe some dumb stuff sometimes. And we talked about four of those during this series. We, we, we dispelled the myth that faith fixes anything. So that's not really true. Look at Jesus. Jesus had all the faith in the world. Like he was Jesus, God in the flesh, and they crucified him. It did not end well for Jesus' human life, right? Things went poorly for him. He was homeless most of his life. He was poor and then eventually crucified. Like faith doesn't fix everything. Message two, we said we dispelled the myth that it's good advice for us to just follow your heart. Remember that? Just, just do what you feel, we read a verse in that message from Jeremiah 17, verse 9, that says, The heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. Your heart will lie to you. And we all agree. I remember we all raised our hands and said, Yeah, there, there have been some times that my heart led me astray. I followed my heart, and it got me in bad, bad places that I didn't want to be. So instead of following our hearts, we want to follow God. Because our hearts are lied to us, but God never does. That was week two. Week three, <clears throat> we, we talked about uh, this, this myth that Christians are not allowed to judge. And that's not entirely true. It's, it's true in some contexts, but not every context. That there is, in fact, times that it is appropriate for Christians to, to make a judgment about actions in their lives and in the lives of people that also claim to be Christ followers. That our judgment should most often be contained within Christian circles. But when I see a Christian brother in sin or making a mistake or doing something wrong or a Christian sister doing the same, that as a fellow believer, there's a biblical mandate for me to say something to them. Hey, man, like you claim to be Christian, but look, 
right? That it's not always Christians shouldn't judge. We just have to be careful how we judge, that we have a standard that is universal for all of us. And then lastly, we dispel the myth that godly parents produce good kids. It's just not true because a lot of y'all are godly, but I hear horror stories from fusing kids, right? It's just not, just kidding, they're angels. Like, I'm sure they are. Your kids are perfect. No, but we, no, we, we said that just because we, we raise our kids in a godly home, that, that doesn't guarantee that they'll always grow up to be good and godly children. That that's, that's a myth. That we're, we have an obligation as parents to do the best that we can to raise them, but ultimately the decision is on them, that we're all responsible for our actions that we make as we grow and as we learn and mature in our faith. And then... Uh, we had a really special Sunday back in October, October the 4th. And we said it was going to change everything. And I believe that for a lot of you it did. We entered into our series called The Blessed Life. We, we started it with um, Compassion Sunday. And I got to brag on our church. I got to brag in here and, and talk about the good things that we had done. But then I got to go uh, sit in a booth with a bunch of, um, not a bunch, a few guys uh, from the Compassion International uh, Ministry. And I got to tell them, yeah, man, we got, we got a church of like 200 people, 230 people, something like that. And um, those 230 people sponsored just as many kids as the church of 1,000 did the week before. And I got to brag on the generosity and, and the heartfelt devotion to serving others that exists in our church. And on Compassion Sunday, Samuel Orlando came and he told us his story. And then that day we sponsored over, over, over 100 kids from our church that will now be rescued from poverty in Jesus' name because of the generosity and commitment of a church like ours. It was an amazing day. And for a lot of you, for a lot of you, that, that was kind of your first picture into what generosity looks like. And we had, a, again, another big idea that, that kind of framed and shaped that whole series for us. And we said that generosity unlocks something in us that nothing else can. That there are parts of your existence, parts of your soul, parts of your being that will forever remain guarded and, and, and portioned off until you become a generous person. And the more generous you come, become with your life, with your finances, with your time, with your resources, with your influence, the more generous you become with those things, the more that God begins to open up that part of your life that you didn't even know was there. And for a lot of you, you experienced that by sponsoring kids through compassion. And your generosity has increased as a result. Because you're finding out that generosity unlocks something in you that nothing else ever could. And we learned about percentage living and living on a budget and how to do those things well so that we can steward our money well and honor God with our finances And then the last week, we talked about this idea that you will seldom see the miracles of God until you are in a place to need one. That until we stretch our faith, until we stretch ourselves and begin to to put ourselves in places where we have to trust God, that there are good chances that we will seldom or never see the miracle of God until we find ourselves in a place to need one. And instead of trying to protect and guard and comfort ourselves and live in our own little bubble, that the more that we stretch, the more that we get to see God move. Because you seldom see the miracles of God if you're not in a place to need one. And then for the month of November, we talked about gratitude in this month that's celebrated for the, the, the holiday or the occasion of Thanksgiving. We talked about gratitude and this idea that gratitude is only gratitude when it's what? When it's 
We put it on the screen, people. Come on. Now, this is the easy, easy question to answer. Gratitude is only gratitude when it's expressed. All right, you're getting there. Boy, y'all, y'all did lamp in in 2016. Still asleep, still, still asleep, I assume. But the, the gratitude, when we want to demonstrate gratitude to God, that the only way we can demonstrate gratitude is through expression. That any gratitude that isn't expressed feels like ingratitude to the recipient. We talk quite a bit about that. And then we just finished up this last month with our series, um, Carols. Sorry, we, we did Christmas Carols uh, to finish out the year. We talked about Oh Holy Night and how, how Jesus was holy, how he was set apart, he was different. We talked about... Um, Oh, come all ye faithful, that when we come to Christ, that he makes us joyful, triumphant, and faithful, that Jesus does that when we begin a relationship with him. Away in a manger, we talked about the little Lord, Jesus, that we don't want to focus on the little, but focus on the Lord. And then we had church at home a couple of weeks ago. We all gave our volunteers and and staff and and awesome people here uh, a chance to do church at home on the 27th, a couple of days after Christmas. And we looked at, oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, and began to figure out what it looks like to live out the promise that God is with us. So that was our 2015 year interview. All right, good. Yeah, we can clap. Because here's what happened in 2015. We made the commitment together to get stronger in 2015. So we wanted to try and figure out a way that we could, we could almost track that because there's no way to, there's no way to know unless we, we put some, some, some numbers to paper and try to figure out what's going on within the life of our church. And so here's what we're going to do for the next several minutes. In your seats is something called a spiritual formation and missional behavior survey. Doesn't that sound smart? Spiritual formation? Yeah, we didn't come up with it. Um, but there's a, a spiritual, and even if this is your first time with us today, maybe this would be a great chance for you to get a snapshot of where you are right now spiritually. So we, we want to take some time in the service right now to spend the next five to ten minutes um, filling out that survey. Um, and then when you leave today, there are going to be tables at the back. You can just drop your survey. They're anonymous. No place on there for you to put your name. Please just spend the next five or six minutes um, filling those things out. And then if you'll place them on the tables as you exit today, we would certainly appreciate that. I'll give you a few minutes to do that, and I'll come back. And we've got some, some more cool stuff to talk about before we uh, dismiss today. Thanks.